Hello, hello, and Happy New Year! Today we have episode 13 of the Roadrunner Cafe by Jamie Zert. Carson comes to realize Heliana has her own demons. Heliana takes Carson to Sally White's house, where Judith and Sally are forming a friendship. Here we go. For a moment, Carson thinks maybe he's stepped into the past, that maybe his father is inside the house visiting a friend. But then he remembers hearing the truck drive off into the night, remembers thinking how if he made it back home in time, his mom might never know he'd left at all. But why was the truck at this place? Did Heliana ask his mom to come too? Answers. Heliana better have them. Carson is debating whether or not to toss his bike in the bed of the truck when something pings off his handlebars. Psst! He sees Heliana along the side of the house and waves his hand before she decides to fling another pebble at him. Okay, he says, leaning his bike up against hers. I'm here. Now tell me what this is all about. Heliana points to a tree in the front yard. Look familiar? Carson would know the tree anywhere. If he were driving a hundred miles an hour at night, he could still pick it out along the side of the road. Dad's tree, he says. But how? Heliana frowns at Carson. You better sit down for this, she says. It might take a while. I'm fine standing. She frowns at him again, the moon blazing behind her. I've been watching your sister, Georgie. So? Did you know she takes naked pictures of herself and sends them to boys? Carson shrugs. He can't imagine Georgie doing that, but if she did, that was her business. It definitely wasn't Heliana's. You don't care? Carson kicks at one of the tires on his bike. So that's what you had to tell me? That my sister's taking dirty pictures of herself? If you haven't noticed, Heliana, I kind of have bigger things to worry about. I didn't want it to happen like this, Carson, but I didn't know how else to tell you. Heliana, Carson says, trying to keep calm. What are you talking about? The Skogsra. Carson looks behind him, like maybe there's a hidden camera somewhere, like maybe this has all been somebody's idea of a joke. But there's nothing. The woman your father was having an affair with was a Skogsra. Heliana says. Her name is Sally White. Carson knows who Sally White is. He just doesn't understand how Heliana knows her. Let me ask you something. Is any of this going to bring my dad back? No, Heliana says, quietly, almost like she might have a heart in her chest. Then what difference does it make? Heliana raises a finger to her lips. Quiet or you'll wake her. What's my mom doing here? Your mom? Carson points to the truck, and Heliana shrugs. Maybe she's come to exact her revenge on the Skogsra. She's a veterinarian, Heliana. That's all a vet. Skogsra can take many forms. Whatever, Carson says and starts for the front door. What are you doing? I want to talk to her. 
You already have. Carson stares at her. It's like he's drowning and she's sitting there, dog paddling, casually asking if he'd like to go for a swim sometime. Fine, Heliana. When did I talk to her? She's the woman from the overpass. So much for the heart inside. Carson stares at her, and then, slowly, things start to click. Wait, you knew she'd be there that day? You planned all this? I told you, Heliana says, backing away as Carson steps closer. She's a Skoxra. I could have killed her. What then, Heliana? I didn't really think about that, I guess. Heliana backs up against the house. I just wanted to help, she says, the moon haunting her pale face. Maybe because nobody helped me. There's something wrong with her. Carson can see that now. Okay, he says, starting to understand. Because of what happened to your mom and dad, is that it? Yes, she says. A Skogsra tricked my father, and she tricked yours, too. This Sally White woman is one of them. I'm certain of it. Carson shakes his head. He knows all about her father and mother, how they were planning on getting a divorce when a car hit them. Carson knows, too, about the stories and the wooden figurines from her grandfather. But he didn't know it was this bad. So why is my mom here and my dad's tree? Heliana steps toward him, places her hand on his cheek. Carson can feel a kind of lightning inside him, some weird electrical storm brewing at her touch. He wants her to take her hand away, but he's afraid of being electrocuted. Your mom had the tree put here. Kind of a twisted thing to do, really. She must have found out about the affair somehow. Somehow? Heliana lowers her hand. Okay. So maybe I helped a little, but it was the right thing to do. Carson isn't understanding any of this. Things just didn't add up. But how? What did you do? I might have gone looking around in your house one night. Now they added up. That's how you found that weird story my dad wrote? Anybody could have found those things if they'd bothered to look. You should ask your mom about this stuff. It's not for me to say. None of this is for you to say, Carson says, his voice shaking. I'm going inside. This has gone too far. What if my mom actually hurts this lady? Would that really be so bad? Heliana says, and again, the idea that she's sick occurs to Carson. He takes a tentative step toward the door. I'll scream, Heliana says to his back. So? So I told Sally White it was your idea to drop the can. If I scream, I'll tell them this was all your idea. Carson looks at the tree standing there, how pathetic and weak it looks now. She isn't a Skogsra, Heliana. It's just a story to tell kids. To scare them, that's all. Carson turns to look at Heliana. She has tears running down her cheeks now. I'm really sorry he says. But it doesn't matter. Heliana screams. Carson just stares at her, thinking how she looks more like a frightened little girl than ever before. How she always seemed older to him, but never really was. 
When it's quiet again, the two of them stand there under the moon, staring at one another, and wait. A door opens, cold light spilling out onto the lawn. Carson? He turns to see his mom standing there on the front steps, next to the woman he nearly killed. Honey, what in the world are you doing here? She doesn't look angry to Carson. Neither does Sally White. What were they doing in there anyway? Having tea? He's about to ask his mom this when he sees the cigarette dangling from her hand. You're smoking? His mom looks at her hand like somebody secretly planted the cigarette there. Oh, it's not mine, honey. She hands the cigarette to Sally White. But when Sally White goes to toss the cigarette into the yard, his mother grabs her hand. Um, you might not want to do that. Why not? Let's just say your yard is a little more flammable than usual right now. I'll explain later. Sally White walks the cigarette over to the driveway, holding it out away from her like a dirty diaper, before dropping it in the gravel. When she comes back, she turns to Heliana and says, Was that you screaming? Heliana's face is still puffy and wet from crying. It was, she says. You mind telling me why? Heliana looks at Carson and hesitates a little before turning back to Sally White. I thought I saw a snake. A snake, huh? Okay, but that still doesn't explain why you two are standing outside my house. I wanted Carson to see what you are. And what am I? A Skogsra. A what? A Skogsra. You trick men and then destroy them. Sally White stares at Carson's mom, like maybe she knows what Heliana's talking about, but his mom looks just as confused and bewildered as Sally White. Uh, listen, I don't know what a Skogsra whatever is, but I'm starting to think maybe it was you who wanted to drop that can on me. Carson didn't know you'd be coming. He just thought we were going to scare some people, for fun. But you planned it. You knew I'd be coming. I did. Yes. You could have killed me. You do realize that, right? I know. You don't exactly sound heartbroken about it. Are you sorry his dad is gone? Carson can see the anger and disbelief spreading through Sally White's face. I didn't kill Wiley. He was a very sick man. She turns to Carson, bending down on one knee so she can speak directly to him. I'm so sorry. You have no idea how sorry I really am. I never should have... Her voice trails off, and then Carson sees something he never could have imagined. His mother leans down and begins to rub Sally White's back as she kneels there. Her back is of wood, I'm sure of it. Heliana whispers this, so only Carson can hear. Her back is a log. Carson remembers the story now, how from one side Skogsra appeared to be human and beautiful, but their backs were made from trees or rotting logs or something. Her back is normal, it's just a story. You know that, right? Heliana stares off at the tree, then up toward the moon. She looks lost, like a little girl separated from her parents in a grocery store. And maybe that's what she's really been all these years. 
Maybe that's why she always tried so hard to seem like she always knew exactly where she was going. Because she was so completely lost. I need to go now, she says to Carson, grabbing her bike. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. When she starts to pedal off, Carson calls after her. Just wait a second, Heliana. I'm sure we could give you a ride. I'm not going home. Then where are you going? To the place where bunnies sleep. With that, Heliana disappears down the gravel drive and into the night. It isn't until later, until after Carson has explained everything to his mom on the drive home, that he realizes where Heliana may have gone. Heliana lays her bike up against the side of the fort and, using the headlamp her farfar had gotten for her, climbs in. She shines the light on the photos of the women on the walls, all of them Skogsra, tricking young boys into loving them. She then tears the photos down one by one, balling them up and tossing them into the corner. Whoever the fort belonged to, they were going to have some redecorating to do. She hadn't noticed the smell last time, seeing as how she'd been so focused on keeping Carson out of jail. Which, thanks to her quick thinking, she'd managed to do. Still, there are things Heliana wants to do before going back home to her farfar, who, hopefully, hasn't yet noticed she's snuck out. The thought of her grandfather checking on her in the middle of the night reminds her again of the stories he would tell her at bedtime. In her pocket, she has the last figurine he made for her. Fossogram. Just as she's running her finger over the wood like a talisman, she hears the cry of an animal from somewhere up on the mountain. The fort is near the base, so it wouldn't take all that much more walking for her to reach it. She hears another cry in the dark, and remembers how in her far-far stories, the Skogsra would sometimes have tales like wolves. Maybe it was a Skogsra calling out to her up in the woods of the mountain, trying to entice her. But if it was, Heliana knew how to protect herself against one. They hated profanity. Her grandfather hadn't told her that. She had to find out about it in a book, probably because he didn't want to encourage her use of bad words around the house. She listens for the howls again, but everything has gone silent. As she leaves her bike at the fort and starts to make her way up the mountain, she understands that her far-far never once told her that it was a Skogsra who had tempted and ultimately destroyed both her mother and father. Even so, it was the story that Heliana had, at some point, started to tell herself. A story that had become as real to her as the car that had crossed the center lane and taken her parents from her. Soon, it begins to feel like the moon is pulling her up the mountain. Even as she stumbles over rocks and stumps hidden beneath the wildflowers, Heliana feels summoned by the moonlight in the clouds wreathing the top of the butte like a halo. She eventually slips and falls, scraping her knees, but she feels no pain. When she raises herself up off the ground, she sees that she's tripped over a long stick. It's fairly straight, with something like a handle at the top, which comes in handy as Heliana plods her way up the increasingly steep mountain. 
As she walks, she thinks of her mother and father sitting on a bench. They're on vacation, and her father is on one side of Heliana, her mother on the other. They don't have a bucket to make sandcastles, so they're using their hands. It's a sand baby, her mother is saying to her, looking down at the mounds they've made. And she's right. There's one big mound that could be the body, a smaller mound on top that could be the head. Her father sculpts the head into a triangle, says, Look, it's Tiny Timmy Mouse. It was Heliana's favorite story back then. Her father would tell some version of it every night before bed. In the story, there was a small mouse who loved cheese and ate so much that one day he turned into a piece of it. But the mouse's mother didn't know this and accidentally tried to eat poor Timmy. Sometimes it was the mother doing the eating. Other times it was a cat or a neighbor. But always her father would lean down and pretend to eat Heliana while telling the story. The nibbles he gave her would always make her giggle. She didn't care so much about the story, about Timmy, but she did care about the nibbles. She hears more howls. They're closer now, much closer. She knows coyotes have been a problem in town, attacking the smaller dogs, but she's never really seen one before. It must be the moon they're talking to. The high, wavering, almost mad pitch of the howls reminds her of the loons back in Wisconsin, how they'd yodel out across the water to one another. Her father would sometimes take her out in the boat just to watch them. Heliana loved the way they'd run across the top of the water before takeoff. They were such silly birds. When mad, they'd even do a little dance on the water that made them look like penguins. That's to scare off their enemies, her dad had told her. Who are their enemies? Heliana had asked. We are, he'd said. And if we don't leave her alone, she'll exhaust herself. They've been known to die that way. It had scared Heliana, this idea that she could frighten the birds so much they'd die. After that, she always kept her distance from them. Maybe that's what the coyotes were doing now. Maybe they were scared and telling Heliana to go back. But she couldn't go back. She stops to rest, setting the stick down. Down below her, the town is lit up. It had to be nearly midnight, and yet look at how many lights were still on. Her farfar always went to bed by nine o'clock and rose again at five. She turns back toward the face of the mountain and begins to climb. Again, there's howling, coming from the trees across the way. Heliana keeps her head down and climbs. She remembers seeing her father nibbling on the neighbor one day. At the time, Heliana hadn't understood what it meant, but something about it had made her stomach hurt, so she told her far, far. And then there was a night filled with yelling, dishes being broken, Heliana told to stay in her room, then a door slamming, then quiet, then the sound of her mother sobbing. Heliana watched from a window as her father punched a tree before driving off in their car. She tried staying awake, waiting for him to come home, but she eventually fell asleep to the sound of her mother's crying. A week later, 
Both her parents were dead. No more nibbling. For anybody. Heliana reaches the top where the chairlifts would normally let people off. The warming hut looks strange now, sitting there without any lights on. She stares at it for a moment, trying to figure out what looks so odd. And then she realizes what it is. The building is shaped exactly like a coffin. When she turns back around, she sees something standing there across from her. It's the glint and flash of the eyes that she notices first before the rest of the animal takes shape. Another howl rings out from the trees, followed by a yipping sound, then a growling. The growling is coming from the white dog standing in front of her, but it isn't a dog, it's a wolf. Or maybe a coyote. Heliana isn't sure she knows the difference now that she's actually staring at one. She decides it's a coyote and takes a step forward, prompting the creature to open its mouth wide. A combination of hiss and growl escaping through its long, stained fangs. Oh, you don't want to do that, Heliana says quietly. You're just asking for trouble acting like that. Again, the dog bares its dirty teeth and growls. The fur on its back is raised, like it's stepping on a live wire. Heliana looks to the top of the mountain, to the moon, and wonders if one of the doors to the warming hut is open. Shit, she says to the beast. Fuck! But the words come out feeling stiff, like new shoes before you've had a chance to wear them. She tries again. Be on your twatty way, or else. The dog growls, paws at the dirt. Heliana isn't certain, but she thinks she can see more eyes in the trees. More Skogsra. She turns her back, manages two steps toward the warming hut, before she feels a stabbing in her neck. A smell upon her like the devil's very own breath. Then there's a sound like an engine revving in her ear, before she goes tumbling head over heels. When she finally comes to a stop, the dog is already standing there before her, his mouth hanging open, his fangs bared. Heliana raises herself up onto her knees. She's looking into the very mouth of hell. This is what Heliana's thinking just before the fangs rise and a darkness engulfs her. She can feel a tearing at her skin, her body being dragged across dirt and rock. Then there's a sort of rising into whiteness. Almost like she's running across water, getting ready for liftoff. A sweet rapture laying hands on her as the stick slips from her hands. And there you have it. Don't forget to join me on Wednesday for episode 14 of The Roadrunner Cafe by Jamie Zernt. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media.